Tappers, what's up? It is the Thursday edition of the Daily Tap. I don't even have to ask if you're doing well. I know you're doing well. What a fucking Bucks win, guys. Oh my god. Uh, that was incredible. One of the more intense games of my life. I'm not I'd have to think about like where that ranks. Um def- actually that's kind of a good topic for Mitch and I tomorrow. Uh but yeah, it was incredible. We're gonna talk about a ton of stuff. Empty the notebook here on the Bucks Suns game four. A comeback victory for Milwaukee. Just man, something something about this team, man. They're mentally tough and they've been mentally tougher than every team they've played, and they were mentally tougher than Phoenix. Uh, but before I talk about the mental toughness of the Milwaukee Bucks and Chris Middleton, Giannis Antetokounmpo, Pat Connaughton, all those dudes, I just want to talk about the vision of kind of seeing this into existence. Now, I know I had said that Aaron Rodgers rumored to be here. Didn't end up showing up. I was wrong. Whatever. I got some bad information. That's why you say there are rumors. I spent all this time clipping audio. It was kind of fun, but that was my first vision. My second vision was I was at the gym uh, working out, which I haven't done before a Bucks game this year. I usually work out in the morning. I uh, had, had some late nights, whatever. Um, so anyways, I'm on the treadmill huffing and puffing because we're running with a few meals in you. It's a little different than running on just coffee. And I'm thinking about how Middleton's going to hit a game winner tonight. And like, I, I didn't tweet about it. I didn't talk about it. But I, I just felt like Chris Middleton was going to come up big tonight. And I would said that a big game was lurking from him. Because this has kind of been what, what Middleton has done this season. And this playoffs where he comes up in the clutch. And it was just, it felt like destiny almost in a weird way. Like, I know that sounds silly. But down the stretch, hit Middleton hitting shot after shot. There's no one I wanted with the ball. And it was just an awesome finish to that game. The Bucks were incredible down the stretch. I had my hands on my knees like I was a high school basketball or football coach for all of the last five minutes. Like the last five minutes, I didn't have my phone out. I've been doing that a lot late in games, which I love. Um, I now I love Twitter. I'm on Twitter a lot. So it's FWI if you don't follow somehow. Um, but I, I needed to like break away from it. I don't even really, I think I started doing it honestly game one against the Miami Heat where in big game, in critical games where it's close, like I put my phone away and I, I it's not just like, a, oh, I got to make sure I'm watching it. It's like, I just don't want to be distracted here and I want to make sure I'm reveling in all of this and yeah man i was nervous but the bucks found a way and it was a hell of a victory from milwaukee and i couldn't be happier i couldn't be more proud of these guys bringing it back 2-2 and now it's a three-game series and it is a free-for-all but i'd argue that milwaukee has the momentum right now and they have to seize that and i'm sure we'll talk a lot about game five tomorrow with mitch but the Bucks need to capitalize on that momentum early and often uh, when it comes to Game 5. But I wanted to start out uh, the show talking more about the mental toughness of Milwaukee. And I thought the mental toughness is what the Bucks are. And mentally tough is who the Bucks have been all playoffs. And this is the reason the Bucks are here right now. They've done it all throughout the playoffs. They have got punched, kicked, 
pulled, grabbed, whatever, however you want, ever adjective or verb actually uh, for those grammar nerds out there, um, whatever you want to say, the Bucks have done it. The Bucks have been at their rock bottom. This team got blown the fuck out by Brooklyn in game two, and everyone thought it was going to be a sweep. Everyone thought Brooklyn was going to win this series. No one thought the Bucks could do it. Bucks makes make things super ugly. Find a way to win. Uh, in game three and then in game four they take control the Brooklyn that little little shell shock with Kyrie injury I won't go through every game but like think about all the big moments where the Bucks should have been dead and they just don't die game five Kevin Durant hits an iconic shot he has a over whatever 38 points he was absolutely he might have 48 points excuse me in that game and Durant could not have been stopped and everyone's like all right series over they can't stop Durant Bucks blow out Brooklyn game seven even Durant hits a shot where if his feet are a couple inches back the Bucks are already home and we're probably watching Brooklyn Phoenix and who knows what that series looks like right now and we'll never know thank god and the Bucks bounce back in overtime and won in overtime. Nearly shut out Brooklyn in overtime. They lose game one against Atlanta. So Atlanta has home court advantage. They come back. They win two straight. Giannis goes down with a knee injury when I really believe they would have won that series in five. I do. I think it would have ended in five. And so then they have to go back 2-2 without Giannis because he hyperextended his knee. No one knew how serious it was. The Bucks basically run ram shot for two games and head to the NBA Finals. So here they are again in two games into this this series. They're down 2-0. Phoenix looks unstoppable. It looks like there's nothing the Bucks can do. I mean, Ryan Rosillo, who I love, one of my favorite podcaster. I won't say one of them. He is my favorite podcaster. I look up to Ryan. I think he is so good. But his headline of his podcast last Friday was, Do the Suns have any weaknesses? That was what was coming out of game two. And and, I, and I'm not going to dispute it, honestly, because it looked like the Suns were unbeatable. And we thought, all right, game, game, four, game three, we'll get that. We'll get that under our belt. And that will sort of then springboard to the swing game in game four. And even though I, I would have got on this podcast if the Bucks would have lost and I would have said, this is not over. Like, this is not over. Do not lose hope. The Bucks can still win this because of who this team is. They never quit. They never quit. They can look like shit for a whole game and sometime, somehow figure it out. Somehow figure out how to win down the stretch. And they've that's all they've been. They, and that's kind of with P.J. Tucker saying we're dogs early on in the playoffs. Like That's what he means, right? Like They do not stop. They keep going. And they, they will not quit until the job is finished. And you have to wonder, it's a little bit of an adjacent point, but you have to wonder if the all the bad fourth quarters in the season were good for this team. The Bucks had so many bad fourth quarters, you guys, this year. Like It's hard to explain how many times you would just be so frustrated at the end of a game because the Bucks pissed away a fourth quarter. Yet, I wonder if that was sort of the foundation of everything the Bucks are doing in the playoffs. That they learned how to play down the stretch. They learned who what the crunch time lineups were. They learned who was ready to take big shots. They learned who maybe wasn't or who didn't belong out there. And so I really think that that plays a factor. I, I truly do. And they, and they were so good in the clutch tonight. 
Chris Middleton especially, who we're going to get to right here after. It was all Bucks down the stretch, and they took over and overwhelmed Phoenix. And that that's their story right there. And that that is your story of maybe the playoffs, is the Bucks just, no matter how ugly it was, they found a way to win. And th- those teams piss off casual fans because they're not legendary, quote-unquote, but in their own way they are because they just have this never-say-die attitude. And usually, that's what makes a champion. We see that far too often, no matter the sport. It doesn't matter. Football, basketball, hockey, baseball. You see that everywhere. But let's talk about Chris Middleton. So the Chris Middleton game happened. And I had a feeling that we were going to see it. And it, it did. And this was Chris's night. He carried the team down the stretch. He was there for them when they needed it. He scored, outscored them by 10-4 to 4 down with the last two minutes of this game. Uh, by himself Chris Middleton finished with 40 points as Scott Van Pelt said on his show uh, tonight was like why don't people talk about Chris Middleton as an all as a star well Scott not a listener of the podcast not a huge deal I've, I've said this for a while it's he's just not a sexy player he's just not going to give you that sort of you know highlight real stuff where bleacher report house of highlights espn all those people are like oh my god middleton shook this guy or middleton's on a heater like devin booker or they lean into the kobe bryant stories with booker or the kendall jenner is is his girlfriend stuff like that all is not chris middleton i i think chris middleton's married i don't even know I don't know if he has a girlfriend. The only time I remember a girl in Chris Middleton was I was at a basketball game, a Bucks game years ago, and there was a girl who's wearing a Texas A&M jersey. So she must have been either a girlfriend, a longtime friend, whatever. And she was had one of the worst pitches that you will ever hear at a basketball game. She was like, I can't, I can't do it. I've, I, my voice from kind of yelling and screaming is gone. But it's like, Crease. oh, man. Now I'm getting like the Giannis voice. Like, Crease. Um, I don't know, man. I'll do it some other time. Just remind me. Uh, that was terrible. But anyways, uh, Chris Middleton just big shot after big shot. Late in games. That's what we have expect. That's what we've seen. And I know... When I said it of what a week ago, two weeks ago, that Chris Middleton and Giannis are the Shaq and Kobe of our generation, and I said, look, they're different. Both of them are right. Like Kobe's a top ten, top twenty player of all time. Chris Middleton will never probably reach that level, but in the sense of how they complement each other, that is exactly what they are. They are Shaq and Kobe. They that's the relationship right there. And because Chris is such a mild-mannered dude, he lets Giannis lead. And he's okay with that. He doesn't need to be the big swinging dick in the Cracker Factory. Yet, if he needs to go drop his nuts sometime in a late-game situation, he will definitely do that. And I know that Kendrick Perkins does the whole Batman thing and and just such a jerk-off move by Kendrick Perkins. I know he's fucking that chicken and getting paid and making sure he shows up on TV and his whole carry the hell on, whatever. Shut up, dude. Just shut the fuck up. Like, it's it's been worn out. These guys are both superheroes in their own right. There's no Batman or Robin. Giannis is the Batman, I guess. Okay, there's no Batman or Robin. It is Batman. Batman is it's, it's Giannis, man. Giannis is the leader of this team. They go with Giannis. I've talked to people who know kind of inside that locker room. 
And years past, I should have probably brought this up in the mentally tough stuff, but years past it was Giannis was very tight and very rigid and took things so seriously. And he's sort of eased that off a little bit this year. He's been a little more just go with the flow, a little bit more joking around, a little more loose. And it's helped this team. Chris Middleton, while an amazing player, is not the leader of this team. It's Giannis Antetokounmpo. But Middleton steps up when they need him. They call in case of emergency. So maybe Chris Middleton is Batman. Maybe Kendrick Perkins does have a right. Maybe, maybe he is, okay? Maybe I I know. I know you guys, you're like, you just told him to shut the fuck up. Yeah, I still would appreciate it if he just actually analyzed basketball and not just a hot not wasn't wasn't just a hot take artist with a beard. Chris Middleton might be Batman, because you call on him, you signal him, right? And Giannis is Superman. Batman and Superman, right? Doesn't that make more sense? It's not Batman and Robin. It's Batman and Superman. That's who Giannis and, and Chris are. And those guys, man, he outdueled Devin Booker. And I know everybody's going to talk about Devin Booker's performance because Chris isn't sexy. We listed why Devin Booker will get the attention. But the fact of the matter is, is Chris came through when it mattered the most. Look at Devin Booker's last couple shots. They were clanks. He missed some big shots down the stretch. So maybe Devin Booker just isn't quite there yet in terms of that clutch gene. And that takes time. You learn you learn from these games to kind of get to that point. And let's be clear too. Chris Middleton, even though it says Booker has more points than him, Devin Booker followed out with 36 points. To miss that call with three minutes and 30 seconds left is one of the worst NBA officiated calls I've ever seen in my life. And it would be very like Wisconsin-ish if the Bucks would have fallen in this game. It would have been fail Mary. It'd been something we wouldn't stop talking about, especially if the Bucks lost this series. And I'm so glad, and I think the NBA is too, if you ask them, if you're having a beer with Adam Silver tonight and you're like, no cameras on him, you're just like, hey man, how fucking happy are you the Bucks won? He would say, I'm really happy. Because there will be talk about the referees. Trust me. There will be conversations. Bucks got to the free throw line a lot more than the Phoenix Suns did yet again. But the fact is, is they they really fucked that up. And they saved themselves utter embarrassment. It nearly got really ugly really quick. And that would have been the story of this playoffs. Yeah, Bucks actually shot 10 more free throws than, than the Phoenix Suns. Anyways, speaking of great defense, that would never have been a foul. And if it was a foul, I would have probably punched my TV. Not even kidding. Like I I think I would add that much emotion, that much anger. Giannis Antetokounmpo's block was one of the greatest things I've ever seen from a player. I'm going full on hyperbole. It's not even, it's not even, you don't need to. That block is so fucking incredible. You watch the slow-mo, you watch Giannis basically react and shift his hips. The way he's able to shift his hips like that and make it all the way over to Aiton is is just phenomenal. And the fact that he didn't foul, like he didn't even like, if you watch it closely, like he doesn't foul. Like that is a clean, clean block. And Giannis said after the game, like I thought I was going to get dunked on. And I thought I, he didn't think he timed it well. 
But the ability to have that awareness is incredible. And it will be a all-time block. And I don't know what we'll remember. I probably, the block, like that's probably the name of this game, right? Even though Chris Middleton was incredible. And this, it's such, isn't that so Chris Middleton, right? What we just talked about, about how he's not sexy. It's it's either the Middleton-Booker duel or it's maybe middle, the Middleton-Booker duel in the block. Is that is that the name of this game? If we are looking at this, I'll, I'll be curious to hear. Obviously, I haven't listened to Bill Simmons. He's probably taping right now as well. Um, I'll be curious to hear the historian there on like where this sits in terms of an all-time game four. I mean, it was ugly, but I don't know. Down the stretch, man, it was all-time for me. <laughs> it ranks way up there in terms of awesome games, in terms of intense games. Um, just an incredible one. But that block is an iconic play. And it, it's hard to believe it happened in the moment. I remember, I mean, when it happened in the moment, my reaction was just, I just went crazy. And it's something you will all, you will show your kids, you will show your grandkids, you will like talk about it forever, even if the Bucks lose. But if the Bucks win, it's it's the play, the picture, everything like that. That is the play. That is an iconic moment for Giannis Antetokounmpo. So even though he didn't play that well, um, he still has this iconic play that will be forever etched in Wisconsin sports fans' memories. Antetokounmpo was not entirely there. I'm sitting on kind of a take that I, I want to save for tomorrow's show, so look forward to that. It's related to Antetokounmpo and Aaron Rodgers. I think you guys are really actually going to dig it. I think I know Mitch is going to. But it was a little bit of a weird Giannis games. I think in moments he had a role, and then in others I don't think he did, um, where he, he just didn't have that takeover quarter, that takeover five minutes. He kind of just kind of hung around a little more timid. Um, there's way too much worrying about Giannis. Like, oh my God, he seemed exhausted. He's not right. I'm telling you, he's not right. Maybe the guy's just kind of worn out a little bit. Maybe the knee, maybe he pushed the knee a little bit too hard the last two days leading up to this. And he's just kind of worn out. He'll adjust. He'll figure it out. They have a couple days. He'll make sure he's getting the right treatment, not overdoing the PT and making sure his knee feels good and making sure that he's ready to go for game five. And that to me is is all it is. I, I and the thing is is with greatness, like Giannis had forty one points the last two games, right? He had back to back forty point games. Everyone's like, all right, do it again. All right, what are you gonna do for me? I think his over under for points was thirty six and a half or thirty four and a half. Uh, which, by the way, great cover by the Bucks. Unbelievable cover by the Bucks. I did not think that was going to cash, but it did, um, which is good. Uh, but anyways, Giannis is going to have games like this, guys. Like Giannis is just not, like, as much as he is Superman, he's going to have games where it's just not as efficient as some of the other ones. He had 26-14-8 and and one of the fucking greatest blocks of all time, if not the best. And out of the hell are you like, oh, well, eh, not really a great game. It's just there are certain Giannis games where, yeah, he didn't get into the flow early and it kind of threw him off. And then the having to take a piss and all this other shit, I think he just kind of didn't find his role in the game. So I think it's really important for the Bucks in game five to make sure Giannis has his presence felt and gets going early.
because that to me is will, will be one of the keys in game five in getting eight into foul trouble they have to hunt that a little bit more they didn't do enough of that today uh as they did in game number three i thought for sure they'd go back to that but they didn't lastly let's wrap up today's show kind of talking about pat content uh pat content man the role with pat Con- they don't win this game without pat content and pat content has gotten so much shit from me He's gotten shit from all sorts of Bucks fans. People were like, look, he's Giannis' workout buddy. That's the only reason he's here. And it's it's not true. It's just not what Pat Connaughton is, man. Pat Connaughton is a scrapper. He is a junkyard dog. And he had 11 and 9. And he hit so many big shots. And what I did, because I felt like Pat Connaughton had a big fourth quarter, I went through the play-by-play of the fourth quarter. And the Bucks went down nine right away in the fourth quarter. Content hits a three, keeps it around six. It's where the Bucks were most of the second half. If you talk to our friend Mitch Ross, six points, most dangerous lead in basketball. Yes, that's that's a thing. Um, and I, I don't disagree with Mitch on that one, actually. So Content in the fourth quarter had eight points and five rebounds, as well as a go-ahead three at one point with the second straight Mike Breen bang from Pat Connaughton. And Pat Connaughton has a role on this team. And as much as people want to shit on him, and he is frustrating sometimes because he can be a little bit of a whirling dervish, Pat Connaughton is so fucking important to what Milwaukee does. And he got so many big rebounds. He did a pretty good job against Devin Booker. I wouldn't say it was elite, but he did enough, right? He frustrated him. He got physical with him, kind of similar to what P.J. Tucker was doing. And that's kind of, and that's a good role to have. He is a three and D guy. I saw our guy Shafty call him the Steve Kerr of our team, which for a second I was kind of like, whoa. But then I'm thinking about it. Pats came up huge in so many different moments throughout this playoffs. Like, would it surprise you if Pat Connaughton hits a game winning three in game six to give the Bucks a championship? Or, or hits one in game five, a la John Paxson in Phoenix. I don't know. Maybe. it. W- I don't know. I, I can't not expect Pat Connaughton to have some big games, man. And he deserves a ton of credit for this one. I'm not going to say give him his flowers. I'm just not. It's lame. I'm not going to do it. But he deserves so much credit for what he did out there tonight. And he played a vital role with what Milwaukee was trying to do. So, like I said, we'll talk more about Game 5 with Mitch tomorrow, but just a few things, a few quick hitters uh, to kind of wrap it up. I Oh, another Game 4 thing. The ABC broadcast today, I've had no problems with Brandon Van Gundy and Mark Jackson for the first three games. They were bad tonight. That was a, It was a bad Van Gundy and Mark Jackson night. Van Gundy seemed to be frustrated by the officials, seemed to just spend too much time on it, was calling out fouls. I don't really like that. Mark Jackson, they just seemed swept up into Devin Booker stuff. Like They seemed like Devin Booker was the story and that they were swept up in that storyline and they wanted to talk about how Monty Williams, you know, benches this guy in game three, comes back with 40-some points. And yet that really wasn't the story as you watch. It was like that he was in foul trouble and then they, you know, they do call out that, yeah, he should have been called for a sixth foul. And then production-wise, how the hell do you not show Giannis's block? 
like when Chris Drew Olson did this, which classic media nerd from Drew, they went nine minutes, nine full real life minutes for showing the Giannis block. Like, how do you not, like when Chris Middleton's at the line, how do you not just go back to the block? Or during the timeout, say, fuck a commercial. We're going to show this block because this is incredible. This is what people want to see. And I know there's been so much talk about the MB, or I'm sorry, the MLB and how they can't really market to their fans. If you're a casual fan just sitting down to watch or you're a Bucks fan because they got to the finals, which no shame at all for that. I've completely changed course on that. And you don't see that block. Like, how, how does that happen? You're letting your fans down more than anything else. So that was a major, major miss by ESPN uh, in this one. As for game five, I feel really good. I feel really confident. I think we may have ripped the Suns' will out of their chest. I think they knew this game was theirs, and they did not close door. They had 17 turnovers to the Bucks five. Weirdly enough... They gave up 17 offensive rebounds, and the Bucs only gave up five. These are how you win basketball games ugly, ladies and gentlemen. You do enough to leave the door open, and you find a way to step fucking through like Chris Middleton did. And the Bucs have to clean up a lot of ODMs. I, I couldn't believe that. I was like, man, fuck. We lose. I'm going to have to explain what an ODM is early on. ODM is an obvious defensive mistake. A shout out to my guy, Ollie who uh, coined that term, which is a great term. I use it like all the time when I'm watching basketball. I'm like, oh, classic ODM. And it, I thought I was going to start the show talking about the ODMs. Bucks have to clean that up. The communication has to be better. Uh, you have to get Giannis going early. Um, he can't have multiple you know, possessions without touching the ball early on. I think when it's in the flow of the game, I don't really care as much. Um, but you need to have Giannis touch the ball more. Hopefully he can stay on the court early and not have this weird thing where he, he leaves us right away because uh, that that just can't happen. But uh, there there's stuff to be feeling good about. I just don't know where the Suns go from here because if the Suns won this game, we're, all we're saying is, well, it was Devin Booker and no one else. And we've seen this happen three times, right? This is now the third time in the playoffs this has happened and the first time the Bucks have become victorious. It's Kevin Durant and everybody else in game five, right? And they won that game. Game one against Atlanta, it was Trey Young and everybody else. And they won that game. And you remember, you came away from both those games saying, well, Durant's going to need 48 to beat us, so I feel pretty good. And Trey Young, same thing, right? They didn't win this one. So how do you go back after your player put the team on his back? And now I know the crowd will be crazy there. But will it be as raucous? Because remember, they now are 2-2. The Suns' backs are finally kind of against the wall. They have not been against the wall since maybe the second half of that Lakers game three. Like, that's when their backs were against the wall. But other than that, it has been non-existent. So the Bucks can kind of punch them in the mouth. They have to start quick. They cannot let the fans get into it. They cannot let the role players, Mikael Bridges, Cameron Johnson, Jay Crowder, unfortunately. Jay Crowder, man, god damn. I love you, dude. Like one of my favorite Marquette players of all time. I'd wear a Crowder jersey proudly. But you gotta stop flapping. Can we stop? Can you just stop acting like a soft bitch on the court? 
please. Okay, thank you. But yeah, so I, you just got to shut down their role players. You got to get started early because I do think if you get started early, you can you can win this game. I I have all the faith in the world the Bucks can win this game five. I don't know what's going on with Chris Paul. That's the other thing. I don't know what's going on. I don't know if it's Drew Holiday has put him in the torture chamber and he just can't get out or his hand's fucked up. It could be a little bit of both. We shall see. Um, we're back to the keg tomorrow, Friday show. Mitch and I will talk about game five. We I have a Giannis Rogers thing for Mitch that I think is going to blow his mind. Um, and if we're maybe a little worried about Cincinnati, we'll see. All right, guys, take care of yourself. Have a great Thursday. I'll be back tomorrow. See you. Bye.